What's up, everybody? It's Pastor James. Welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are finally in chapter 27, and today we will begin with Judas hanging himself and read that section, and then we'll just kind of see how far we can get. All right? So let's start Matthew 27, verses 1 through 10. Read this together with me. It says, Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the thirty pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. And the leading priest picked up the coins... It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the Field of Blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. All right. So let's start off with this early morning meeting with the religious leaders. Now this meeting, or this trial, had to take place in order to really justify what had been done during the night before. Um, If you remember our last chapter, uh, there was a lot of illegal things going on. A lot of things that was against the rules, against the law, against the law of Moses. And... um, and you got to realize that they had to kind of justify everything they had been doing. So this is why they had this meeting once again in the morning during the daylight. So they could try to claim that it was legal. And you got to notice that the Gospel of Matthew doesn't even talk about the morning trial. Because uh, everything had already been decided on the night before. So he doesn't even really give any detail. He just says they met again and they just kind of made it official. Uh, But once again, they made plans to put Jesus to death. But there's one huge obstacle that these religious leaders have to overcome. They did not have the authority to put anyone to death as long as they were underneath the Roman rule. Only Romans could carry out death sentences uh, in anywhere in their empire. So step one of the plans of these religious leaders was to send Jesus to Pilate who was the governing official of Judea and uh, was over this area. So only Pilate was the one who could give the orders for Jesus to be put to death. So Jesus had to go to him in order for their desires to be met. Now it is interesting to note that the Gospels kind of portray Pilate as a rational and somewhat sympathetic man when it comes to the trial of Jesus. But Pilate is actually described very differently by the Jewish scholar Philo from Alexandria. He wrote that Pilate was corrupt, insolent, insulting, cruel, murdering, unjustly executing, and just outright inhumane. And if that's how Pilate really was, the Jewish leaders were probably confident that Pilate would willingly put Jesus to death without blinking. And so, as you can imagine, they're probably pretty confident in taking Jesus over to Pilate. So let's focus on Judas for a second, and then we'll move back over to the trial. But uh, Judas realizes that Jesus had been condemned to die, and it says that he was filled with remorse. Now, it doesn't say that he was filled with repentance, and maybe it's splitting hairs to imply that he wasn't. I mean, you do have to realize it's, it's possible to have remorse without repentance, 
But in all honesty, we'll just never know. Um, perhaps Judas did not become overwhelmed with guilt or shame like we talked about last week when Jesus referred to him as friend even while he was betraying him or was kind to him in spite of his treachery. But it seems that Judas had no problems with Jesus being arrested and maybe even being disciplined or, or whipped or flogged or something like that. But apparently he never thought that they would put him to death. Maybe that never crossed his mind. But now that he knows their intentions, he is filled with remorse and he takes the silver back to the priest and declares that he had betrayed an innocent man. So here's Jesus who had been paid to betray him is still declaring that Jesus is innocent. And he throws the money down in the temple, which is pretty interesting because it seems in that moment that he is indicating that the priests were also as guilty of this as he was, and he's admitting his wrong, and, and maybe he's hoping that they will admit their wrong. Um, and it also could have been some sort of indication that he was trying to get atonement or some type of forgiveness as he as he gave the money up. I mean, he threw the money down in the temple and he walked off and left it. Um, but you know, today we all know that atonement and forgiveness of sin doesn't come by what we can do. Rather, it comes by repenting and trusting in Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. And this really could be an indication that Judas just really didn't understand how to find forgiveness for sin. He didn't understand that it was through Jesus that all that could happen. And uh, he would be unable to enter the kingdom of heaven as a result of that if he was unable to find true forgiveness. And so a lot of people, you know, debate. Um, I'm not going to split hairs. I'm not going to say, you know, one way or the other. Um, I'll just say this. For somebody who has lived a lifestyle of sin like Judas lived, for someone who felt such despair and the inopportunity to ever make anything right that they would take their own life, <clears throat> I would say that the odds were not in their favor to have eternal life. So, you know, if I was a betting man, I would not bet a lot of money that, Jesus, that Judas would be in heaven. <clears throat> but I'm not saying that it's impossible. Through Christ, all things are possible if he sought out true forgiveness through Jesus. But again, just the simple fact that he took his own life rather than going to Jesus and dying with Jesus... Um, I feel like that probably would have been the better choice. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about it. There, there's no use in splitting hairs and talking about things that we really just don't know. But in this moment, you really see the heart of the religious leaders as Judas throws this money down into the temple because their responsibility should have been with the spiritual health of the people of God. And in this moment, they don't seem very concerned with the sin of Judas or helping him find forgiveness for that sin. Uh, basically, they say, what concern do we have for your sins? This is you. This is your fault. We don't have anything to do with it. But whatever was going through Judas's mind and his heart will always be a mystery. Uh, but he goes out immediately and he hangs himself. And the priests take the money from the temple and they go out and they buy the potter's field with it, or some translations or you know different versions call it the field of blood. But they knew so well the scriptures, and I'm talking about the religious leaders, they knew so well the scriptures and how to avoid breaking the law, even the smallest aspect of the law. But in fact, they knew it so well that they felt very comfortable finding loopholes to take advantage of the law, much like people do with our judicial system today. 
which is a lot different. You know, it's one thing to take advantage of man's law. It's another thing to take advantage and manipulate God's law. Uh, it's a very dangerous road to walk on. But they knew it so well that they were able to do that. And in this instance, even though they were the ones to pay Judas the 30 pieces of silver, um, they were the ones who paid Jesus. They were the ones that were guilty of murder. Or they paid Judas, sorry. They were the ones that paid Judas. They were guilty of murder. And they would never dare put those 30 pieces of silver in the temple treasury because it was money used for murder. And they knew themselves that they were murderers and lawbreakers, and they would never defile the temple with unclean money, but they had no problem going into the temple as murderers and uh, false witnesses and testifying falsely and lying and you know, just doing all these things to break God's law, they were completely fine with that, which to me is very confusing. And I know that we all do it. You know, we all have these things that we struggle with and that we're willing to do, and then we look at other sins as being bad, and people struggle with different things. But uh, this is kind of one of those things where you see these religious leaders in a totally different light, and it's just really sad to see that they are completely unconcerned with the spiritual health of someone else they are only focused on getting their agenda done and getting rid of Jesus. Um, one last thing to take note of <clears throat> is a small confusion based on verses 9 and 10 that I just want to point out. Um, the Gospel of Matthew says that the prophet Jeremiah said that they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which the, he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. The interesting thing about this passage is that it's actually found in Zechariah instead of Jeremiah, and it's found in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 through 13. But scholars kind of have two to three different suggestions for this confusion. First, they think that uh, early on, as Matthew was being copied when it was first written, that, that someone accidentally... Uh, transcribed it to Jeremiah and that it could have actually accidentally been copied as, as Jeremiah instead of Zechariah from that point on. Um, also, uh, scholars believe that Jeremiah could have spoken this and that it was actually recorded by the prophet Zechariah and it was attributed to his writings. And then there's another theory that, um, that it was talked about in the scroll of Jeremiah, and the scroll of Jeremiah actually contains the writings of Zechariah. And so uh, there's a few different possibilities that it could be. It's not exactly a huge deal. I do always like to point out any possible discrepancies in Scripture, though, because, you know, one of the big things that people like to talk about is is whether or not God's Word is infallible, whether or not it's true, whether or not it is actually God's Word. And when you look at this, um, whether, you know, no matter what the reason is why it says Jeremiah instead of Zechariah, even though it's found in the book of Zechariah, whatever those reasons are, it doesn't change the fact as to whether or not it's true. It doesn't change the fact as to whether or not it, it was inspired by the Lord and it wasn't prophesied. Um, you know, and you really just have to look at things. You know, when you're looking at something like the Bible, which is so old, I mean, you're talking about... The Gospel of Matthew is getting close to 2,000 years old now, and uh, there's just so many copies of it. It's been rewritten so many times, and, and the fact that when you look at it, it's like 99.98% accurate. It's like 0.02% of, of things in the New Testament 
are there's only 0.02% inaccuracies, which is amazing because that's significantly better than any other ancient piece of literature that we have. So don't look too far into that. It doesn't change whether or not it's inspired by the Lord, and it doesn't change whether or not it's true. I mean, it is a very, very minor discrepancy. I just like to make it uh, aware to people who are reading Scripture and really want to know more about God's Word so that if someone questions you or brings it out that you're not surprised by it, but you can look into this more and defend God's Word and really apply it to your life and accept it by faith because that's what we're called to do. All right? Well, let's move on to verses 11 through 26, and let's talk about Jesus' trial before Pilate. It says, Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, You have said it. But when the leading priest and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you, Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. <clears throat> Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas! Pilate responded, Then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, Crucify him! Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, Crucify him! And Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, We will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them, and he ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. And as I said before, Many people referred to Pilate as a cruel and harsh ruler, so when we read the Gospels, there's one of two things that are going on when it comes to Pilate. The authors are trying to portray him as an honest or decent man, or Jesus just really has a profound impact on him, and Pilate was very curious about Jesus. Now, Matthew, again, somewhat condenses the trials of Jesus, and so you don't see everything. Like, for instance... Uh, he left out the first trial at Anas's house, which we read in chapter 26 last week. And this time, he only tells of the second visit to Pilate today. And because he only tells of the second visit, that means he Matthew leaves out the first visit, and he leaves out the visit with Herod, um, which is pretty important. But, uh, for whatever reason, Matthew is really condensing the story of the 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 trials and the crucifixion of Christ because he, he's focusing on different things. And that's important to note as well. Um, now, as Pilate begins to question Jesus, Jesus doesn't really offer any fancy answers and he doesn't really ever try to defend himself. He simply responds to Pilate by saying, it is as you say it is. 
And he doesn't plead for his life. He doesn't defend the accusations from the religious leaders. He doesn't shout out in anger. He simply stands strong and silent. And Pilate, being a man in his authority, was probably very used to having people cry out for mercy, plead their case, um, yell out in anger in defense. Um, But Jesus doesn't do this. And so it's no wonder that Pilate would have been curious or that he would have been moved by being in the presence of Christ, who obviously is very different than normal people. And Jesus may have looked normal. I mean, by this time, he was beat up a little bit. Uh, The religious leaders had already kind of taken to him and started working on him pretty good. Uh, But even though he looked normal, nothing about him was normal. Visibly, he was flesh and blood. He was bleeding. But he acted and spoke nothing like a normal man. And Pilate understood him to be greater than than a man because he acted greater than a man. Jesus may have looked like flesh and blood, but his presence and his spirit was much greater than just a normal man. And so Pilate looks for the opportunity to free Jesus because he knows he's innocent, and he knows the only reason the religious leaders arrested him was out of jealousy. So he offers up two choices uh, because it was the special yearly custom to do so. Um... He always released one prisoner of the crowd's choosing each year during this time. And so the first choice, he offers the notorious sinner and murderer, Barabbas. Um, It just calls him notorious in Matthew, but other Gospels describe him as being a murderer and sinner. But the second choice is Jesus, who's innocent. And basically, the only crime he's guilty of is people calling him the Messiah. And all of a sudden, Pilate gets a message from his wife as he's sitting in his judgment seat, to have nothing to do with Jesus, with this innocent man, because she had this nightmare. She had dreams that tormented her about Jesus, and we don't know what those were, but I would give a lot of money to find out exactly what those dreams entailed. But she sends this message. Whatever it was, it was important enough to interrupt a very strenuous, intense moment for Pilate, as he's sitting in his judgment seat and as a right is developing. But what Pilate thought was the obvious choice stunned him when the crowd shouted for Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus. And I don't know about y'all, but can you imagine the perplexity this caused Pilate? I mean, it was just, I'm sure he was astounded. Um, he, he, he probably didn't even know what to do. He probably thought that that. Jesus was the clear choice to be released and that they would want Barabbas to be crucified because he was a notorious sinner and criminal. But Pilate uh, is unable to give justice in this moment um, by his choosing, but also by uh, pressure from the crowd. And so he asked the crowd what they wanted to do with Jesus since they wanted Barabbas to be released, and they began yelling, crucify him. And, And then Pilate says, well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And they just yell louder, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate sends for a bowl of water. And he washes his hands and declares his innocence before this crowd. And all the while, the people yell out, We'll take full responsibility. Yes, we'll take the responsibility. We and our children will be responsible for this man's death. And at that point, um, Jesus was ordered to be whipped and uh, sent off to the soldiers to be crucified. So... um, 
I said this last week in our Wednesday night Bible study with while we had people in there. You know, this is a really heavy portion of Scripture as we read the crucifixion of Jesus. It's never a time that that we uh, can read this and and really be joyful because we always have to understand that although like there were men who were responsible, like Judas betrayed him, Pilate sentenced him, Herod played a small part in the the whole aspect of what's going on. You know, the religious leaders <coughs> um, stirred up the crowd to get what they wanted done to crucify him and kill him. But in reality, when you think about why Jesus died, it's always hard to read this part of Scripture because if we were all honest with ourselves, he died because of us. Because of every single one of us. He died for our sins. He died because we needed forgiveness of sin. And we needed Christ to come into our lives. And to have true forgiveness so that we could go to heaven and spend eternity with the Father. And so Jesus is being whipped. Jesus is being crucified. He's being beaten. All because of our sin. And that's heavy. And so today is... You guys are listening to this, and we're getting ready to pray. I just want you to think about in your life, if there's any sin that's present, anything in your life that you haven't asked Christ to forgive you for, if there's anything holding you back from having a better relationship with Him, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you at all, and you're listening to this, maybe today is the time that you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, to come into your heart and help you to be born again and make you a new creation, a a child of God today, because... Um, if we don't allow ourselves to be covered by the blood of Christ, then basically we're just wasting the sacrifice of Christ at that point. So I encourage you today, allow the sacrifice of Christ to cleanse you uh, from all unrighteousness, to cleanse you from your sins, and to bring you into righteousness and to make you a true child of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to read your word and even though today is heavy and it's very solemn to read about your son dying on the cross for our sins lord uh, we put our trust and faith in you and uh, we remind ourselves that we are the reasons you did it um our sin caused you to to have to die but lord you willingly chose to die because you wanted us to have forgiveness of sin you knew that we needed it and so god we thank you for your sacrifice we thank you for willingly giving up your life so that we could have eternal life with you. So, Lord, we claim that today. If there's any sin in our life, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for it. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Lord, make us righteous, make us clean, and help us to be born again as children of God. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your your love and your mercy. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in for another week. We will continue on in Chapter 27 next week. We hope to see you on campus this weekend. And if you can't make it, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. We love you guys. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.